Hello and welcome to episode 54 of What Most People Think. Now, can you, can you hear that? And by what can you hear that? I mean, can you not hear that? And by not hear that, I mean echoes. I bought, I bought a little bit of soundproofing, people. That's thanks to the Patreon. I've got a pop shield now. I've got soundproofing. And... So do you remember last week when everyone was saying, oh, you know, the problem with having right-wing comedians on is the Tories are in power and all they would want to do is just continually high-five and bum-kiss the, uh, the Tory administration. But let me tell you, with these new restrictions, I, I've got plenty of beef. I've got plenty of beef to get off my chest. And, you know, it's, it's funny, really, that a lot of left-wing comics don't have much to say. You know, they criticise the Tories all the time. And when it comes to an, an absolute assault on our civil, civil liberties, and Matt, Matt Hancock, someone needs to tell him, right, in interviews. We got into this earlier than I thought I would. But he, it stopped, you know when they say to you, Matt, Oh, will you be cancelling Christmas? And he goes, well, I don't want to. Yeah, Matt, you don't have the power to cancel Christmas. Stop answering the question, you dickhead. Yeah, it makes you look like the bad guy in a 90s family film, doesn't it? It makes you just, just it's not your call, Matt. So, yeah, this is what most people think. This is a show that tries to represent normal views that perhaps aren't so common uh, at the moment in comedy. Though, as I say that, as I say that, I just read uh, a story uh, that this Fox, this nightly news channel, this right-wing news vehicle in the UK might be having a nightly comedy show. So let me tell you, there will be a little prediction from what most people think is that there will be, well, what most comedians think might change a bit when there's money on the table. You're going to be seeing a lot more comedians re- <laughs> discovering their their um, their libertarian streak. And, and on that note, um, on that note, now, you know, I'm supposed to be right-wing, it's supposed to be all about the money, right? This week, because of the Patreon, right, and because it's built up and because I'm still growing it, um, a big podcast platform came in for me, the biggest, and we're talking about sponsorship and advertising, and I said no. And you're probably some of you thinking, you fucking idiot, Jeff. Why? But look, here's the point, right, is that these things come and go. I think the podcast thing is, it's, it's my thing, it's our thing, right? And they ask questions. They ask questions about material. And you think in this climate, I just don't think it's safe. You want to have your own point of view out there, it only takes one question, doesn't it? Yeah, Jeff, you know, like, these guys, they're willing to pay, like, uh, big bucks, yeah. So uh, they just want to know whether or not you're going to go with, you know, around the trans thing or the Black Lives Matter thing. And I would rather just add, for this one thing in my life, complete creative freedom. And on that note, right, uh, £10 patrons, there's been a few this week, which helps me, it helps me knock these people back. By the way, if these people are listening, I'm not knocking you back forever. If the patrons all fuck off, then you... <laughs> He could be damn sure I'll be on the phone. Uh, Will Puttergill. Um, Will Puttergill. What a brilliant name. You sound like a fucking Roald Dahl character. A welcome return of Graham Barnett. Now, Graham got in touch with me and said that Patreon had just cancelled his uh, subscription. Now, if you have a double check, see if it's come out and if you still want to be a part of it. Because there were a few Patreons that that dropped off, like I, I had a drop off of about 10 in a week, and I thought, oh, fuck, what have I said? But um, but yeah, just have a check, and if it's still something you want to be involved in, just get it re- reset up, because there's lots of stuff coming soon, uh, which I'll talk about later in the show. Uh, Graham Barnett's back, uh, David Forp is now part of the Patreon thing, welcome to David, and Martin Herriot, what a brilliant name, Martin Herriot, you sound like the fucking poet laureate, Martin. So if you're new to this, one thing we do is, is a cuss count. We do, we're just just like uh, the daily briefings were, we're keeping 
uh, track of the curve of the swelling here. And last week's one, bear in mind I had the guest Andrew Doyle. By the way, thanks so much for the feedback from that. It really, it was really interesting. Most people loved it. A few people sort of divide, got them divided because I think that because I'd had Marcus Brigstock and David Badil, they sort of thought, oh, this is what Jeff's going to do. He's going to have people in that disagree with him. Then I get to hear, you know, my views out. No, I, I will go anywhere for a guest. I don't care. It's what is what being a liberal means to me. Anyway, this way I'm give myself a massive pat on the back there. Did you, did you hear that? Could I, should I just grow another arm so I can literally pat myself on the back? Uh, last week's cuss count was as follows. Two bollocks, three shits, five fucks, 11 fuckings, which I know regular listeners are already going, that is low, Jeff. It is low, but as you know, when I have a guest, I do tend to put on airs and graces, you know, try and show me Sunday best. Oh, Andrew Doyle, I shall be using some longer words, I dare say, sir. Uh, one pissing, three shits, and one shitty. So that is 31 over an hour, and that's a swear rate of uh, 0.5 per minute. Half a swear word a minute. One every two minutes. It's not too bad. Andrew got involved himself, as I knew he would. Uh, Andrew really weighed in with some solid fuckings here. 12 fuckings, two bullshits, one shit, and one twat. But actually, I think that one twat was the one that really seemed to get people annoyed. I can't remember whether it was directed at Remain voters or something, but that did seem to have um, a bit of impact. Uh, so this week we're going to be discussing uh, a couple of things. We're going to be discussing, obviously, the government's uh, authoritarian reintroductions uh, of restrictions. Uh, we're going to be looking at race stuff, picking up off the back of what Andrew Doyle and me were talking about last week. There's been a couple of things in the States which kind of back up a hell of a lot of what he's saying. Uh, and then we're going to do a bit of men's mental health, because my son went to school this week, and I, uh, yeah, had a few... Uh, a few emotions, and I think it's good. We, we talk about it, right? Talk about it in a way. We're not going to get, you know, sort of uh, sissy about it, but we, we'll talk about it. But the thank you, on that note, thank yous to my son uh, going to school. He was he took it in his absolute stride. It was so funny. Me and the missus were like, we had a few days. We, in the week building up, we were just going quiet around the subject. We just... We are warriors, but we like to think that we take everything in our stride. But he... Uh, but then it got to the day itself, and he was literally running to the school, like well up for it. And they were a bit late, or I think we were there a bit early, but he had to hang around a bit for them to open the school gates. And he was like, there were kids like like rocking at the gates, which, you know, from a parental point of view, isn't like sending out the best message of their experience of lockdown with us, is it? It's like, please, I just need some variety. These cunts, they just, uh, they do the same thing. You know what I mean? They're just they're so set in their routine. Please get me in the sand pit. Get the crayons out. Let's get the party started. So, well done to him. He just bowled in there like the Fonz. Didn't give a shit. Uh, also, uh, Extinction Rebellion. This is just winding back. It's been. It's obviously been a busy news week when Extinction Rebellion blockade in the newspaper seems like um, some sort of uh, some sort of uh, thing from another era. But but it, again, it proves why it's good to have a spectrum of comics uh, of different. It's not even left or right. Just different opinions because. There was a hell of a lot of British people that thought that that was a bullshit move, but you you didn't see many comics, certainly comics on the left, saying anything because the problem for them is to talk out against Extinction Rebellion. It's a groovy cause, isn't it? It's a progressive movement, or it's certainly seen to be. Uh, but yeah, that the fuck you is also for Extinction Rebellion blockaded. I mean, they are. It's very funny, isn't it? The Extinction Rebellion videos you get. It's either. Um, you know, them actually doing something where you go, look, I don't agree with it, but look, that's actually quite a coup to pull it off, you know, and glued themselves to something with fucking organic glue. But I always think right with organic glue, I think the police go, don't worry, it's organic glue, you know, it doesn't really stick, does it? I mean, yeah, it'll work for a while, but, you know. The other side of the Extinction Rebellion coin 
is that it's just really weird middle class people doing uh, a dance outside Buckingham Palace, isn't it? There's no real middle ground in the Extinction Rebellion thing. And they do have an issue with diversity. I mean, they definitely do. Like, they are... I mean, Jon Snow, if he saw those Extinction Rebellion things, he'd be furious. There's no people of colour there. Uh, and, and just working class people. It's very hard. Even if you are a working class person that is concerned about the environment... You go, I am concerned about the environment, but I'd rather express that not in the form of shit A-level amateur dramatics. Okay, so this uh, this conservative government that I voted for, um, because, you know, one of the things... You know, if, you're, if you're right of centre... This is one thing that's weird. Having issues with a conservative government doesn't make you not a conservative anymore. It just means that you're annoyed with these conservatives, right? So the core principles are is uh, low taxation where possible, a lean benefit system, and stay out of my fucking business, okay? Just trust personal responsibility. That is one of the, the core elements for me of what makes me a conservative voter. And it just so happens that the conservative party are the best embodiment of those values. So imagine... How you feel when this government almost can't wait to get another restriction back out of there? The fucking rule of six, the rule of six people. Um, oh yeah, I was, I was, I was furious. I mean, one, I was furious because I'd only just announced, and I'll come on to this, but about what's happening with the few tour dates I'm able to get going this year. First thing is right. They announce it at 10 p.m. late at night, so everyone wakes up to it in the morning. That isn't the best thing to do, right? No one likes waking up to bad news, do they? You just sort of get up, certainly when you're my age, it's hard getting up. It's always a bit It's always a bit of a shock, isn't it? Um, just having to stretch yourself out and then you find out that there's some shit that you can't do again, right? At least wait till, at least wait till lunch. Every, everything seems a bit be- better when you've had a ham sandwich, you know? And they're, yeah, they, they've said there's six, six people across England... You know, they can all be from different households. I mean, one thing is, is I do feel sorry for young people because this, if you're a middle-aged person, you're sort of going, six people in a group, you go, oh, oh all right, oh, I'll see if I can get my numbers down to six. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to let down a couple of lads. I couldn't get, I couldn't get six people together for my funeral if there was Champions League on. I swear to God. It's six, it's young people, isn't it? They're the ones that have got friends and this is another way that they've been shafted. And Matt Hancock's out there. He just seems to enjoy it a little bit too much for me. It's ju- he just he just seems to get off on the power. Like, hey, good guys, you know, look, I, you know, I hate to make you do this. He just seems like a regional manager that just like was born to be a regional manager. I yeah, he, I think that there are some toys at the moment that I admire. You know, Rishi Sunak. Well, Rishi Sunak currently, but Matt Hancock, man, <laughs> he is. He, I'd have bullied him if I was at school with him. I know that's a terrible thing to say in the current age. And, you know, you're not supposed to advocate bullying. But if I'm just... Comedy is about being honest. And I think he's the kind of person that would have got a couple of slaps. <laughs> and then, of course, the reaction is depressing, isn't it? There's so little discussion of um, civil liberty in the current uh, debate. You, you, what I think of is... I don't remember in Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Yes, this is another Star Wars reference. And, you know, strap yourself in. There'll probably be a cricket one. Is you know like when uh, Chancellor Palpatine takes on uh, temporary you know extreme powers, and Padme well Natalie Portman really murders the lion, but the lion is oh so this is how liberty dies to thunderous applause. I mean she absolutely butchers the lion, but I sort of feel like that every time there's been a restriction throughout COVID, and then you look on left wing Twitter 
and they saw that a lot of them like it. A lot of left-wing people like it. Bear in mind at the election, and I know what you're thinking, Jeff, where you turn this on to a sort on the left. Yeah, I think I am. Um, is the election, it was all like this hard-right, authoritarian, Tory government, and you go, well, look, they're being authoritarian right now. This is your chance. What have you got to say about it? I mean, but then you get the other side of it, don't you? <clears throat> you get the other side of it. You get the performance confusion as well, where people are just, I just don't understand. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And like, you know, when people say, look, I don't understand because I can go to work uh, with more than six people, but I can't socialise. I'm like, look, it, you know why that is. It's because the government are prioritising the, the economy. You know why that is. It's because the government are prioritising the economy over you wanting to pay fucking rounders on Clapham Common with 30 of your mates, right? I'm not saying that I agree with it. I think it's right. I just think that we know deep down why this is. There are double standards on everything. Kids are going to school in groups of more than this. You know, it's about them trying to find a way through. I happen to disagree with this measure, but don't pretend that you don't understand the logic. It's the same people that were just like, stay alert, I don't know, I don't understand. What's a meter? I don't understand what a meter is. What's the new slogan? Hands, face, wash. Hands, space, face. Hands, space, face. Face, space. Look, I don't, I don't think the slogans go, that's not too bad, because the, the original, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, that was the, the incredible debut album, wasn't it? That was the five star. Everyone had it. It won the Mercury. <laughs> it won seven Brits. And then, of course, we had uh, Stay Alert, Control the Virus, and Protect the NHS, uh, Save Lives. Um, and then that was the tricky second album, wasn't it? And uh, some people appreciated it, but mostly it was, uh, it was seen to be a bit of a, a bad follow-up. This is like a solid third album, I think. Uh, hands, Face, Space. Um, I do think that people need to be refocused on the basics at this point because the truth is, the truth is, how many people are going to observe this within their own house and in public spaces outside, right? And mostly in restaurants and in pubs, people don't really meet in groups of more than six anyway, you know, and in comedy, we, we're already working to groups of two, four and six mainly. So this is about how people interact with their own families. <clears throat> and I, I don't think people are going to observe it. I think you should have just gone gone with personal fucking responsibility and go, look, this is now on you, right? And the left would have moaned because they can't, they can't stand the idea that human beings are accountable for their behaviour. But just say, yeah, you've got to go back to doing the basics. I mean, I've stopped washing my hands. I, I was doing the 20-second thing. Now I've got, you know what I mean? Like I'm doing five seconds, then I use the remaining moisture just to sort my hair out. Just I've gone, gone back to the person I always was. And how many of us, when we meet up with groups, right, and then we do all that thing like, are you doing the hugging thing? I'm doing, I'm just, just do the hugging thing. You know, it's just, and it's quite, it's quite nice, isn't it? I love hugging. I'm saying, I'm cool with all people taking their own decisions, but I think the government have to put it back on people. I don't like this heavy handed intervention. I don't like the fact that the government did this without reference to parliament. You know, they're just breaking the news like, hey, LBC, do you want a story? Well, how about you tell the elected fucking representatives first? And Lindsay Hoyle, he wasn't happy at all. Hey, 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 Matt Hancock, I love it when someone from Burley gets home. Hey, hey, you, 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 you. He's, he's like Dickie Bird, isn't he? There's something about him. They, they've just got a natural style. Hey, you, Mr. Hancock, all right? You take it fucking piss, you are. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is this is happening all over Europe. They've been spoken. Well, one thing I do find odd is like France and Spain were having like 8,000s. And, you know, they were sort of, you know, still seeing how things went. We got up into the 2000s 
And then, of course, like GMB starts squealing and, and the government just cave in. And I think it's such a disappointment, the degree to which this government have been led by social media. And it does make you look again at Sweden and where all their numbers are going. You think like, this is the worst thing. I think the government and Sage at the beginning, that was the model that they were going to follow and they got talked out of it. And that is the, that just, it just, to be so close to taking a bold but productive stance for the, yeah, have you noticed how herd immunity is no longer seen as a bad word? Do you remember for ages that was a stick to beat the government with? They're going, oh yeah, they're going for herd immunity because they want to kill us. And that's gone away because I sort of think people are going, oh yeah, like none of these vaccines are coming through. That one AstraZeneca, I think someone's face basically expanded like Will Smith in Hancock. <laughs> oh no, Hitch, Hitch. And yeah, you know, Sweden has gone their own way. We could have had some, we could have had some of that. We could have had some of that, but no, everyone's like, oh, the government wants us to die and the lack of nuance of a fucking national lockdown. And then we've got supposedly conservative government that's saying, look, we don't want to have a second national lockdown. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, okay? And now I'm in the tinfoil hat thing that I never thought I'd be. I think I'm a reasonable man. I think I'm a reasonable man. I did all the stuff. I, I, you know, I objected to a lot of it as it was happening, but I did it. I did the face mask thing. I still haven't had conclusive absolute proof that this works but I've done it right from the moment it was mandated I've done it grudgingly but i tell you something if you think if you think I'm not going to see my family at Christmas Mr Hancock you got another thing coming mate I am nothing is going to tell me what to you know, what do you think you are not even Santa would have jurisdiction over Christmas oh my god what most people think he's fucking hypocrites you know what I mean he's fucking hypocrites the same people same people who cheered on lockdown. There's, there's a lot of people who have got dual positions on this now, haven't they? The same people that cheered on lockdown, but they were, you know, were the first to say that we were doing badly in comparison to the rest of the G7 economically. Would have think, well, wh which is it? Wh what do you care about? You know, same people that worry about economic figures, but going, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going back to work just to save Pret. Just, just pick a team. It's okay. It's okay to be a selfish individual, right? To look out for your own self and say... I, you know, working from home has given me time back and I'm not giving that back. I don't give a fuck about prep. And all that means is that you just can't bitch about the economy online anymore. And the worst idea to come out of all of this, everyone's, everyone's focused on the moonshot thing, is the, uh, is the COVID enforcement marshals. I'm telling you something, COVID marshal, that is, that is finally, CPSOs, community support officers, they're now off the bottom rung. They're fucking delighted they are, it's been years where they've been the butt of everybody's jokes. And now you have a COVID enforcement marshal. Good, I pray, I pray in advance for those people because they are, well, they're going to essentially be the dinner ladies of this pandemic. <laughs> but look, man, I think what most people think when it comes to new restrictions at this point is that, that we're at a point where we have to absorb the risk where possible. I think that this happening before hospitalizations have started to go up dramatically is a problem. And maybe there's a scientific argument that says, well, when that starts happening, it's already too too late. But the lack of goodwill that that creates might create even more bad will uh, if other measures have to be introduced. Just a quick hype here. Well, I'm going to say hello to some new £5 patrons. Somebody whose name is just N.D. Brown. Um, Dan Brown, uh, the author of Da Vinci Code there. He's going to show himself to have a little 
Got a right wing street there. And welcome to the party, Dan. And um, Mark Goldfinch. Hi, Mark Goldfinch. You sound like a uh, you sound like a DJ. Or was it was on oh, no, my thinking of Chris Goldfinger on Radio One. Mark Goldfinch. That is a cool that is a cool name. I bet when women hear your name, Mark, they they just go money. He sounds like he's got money. Women can God, this is gonna sound funny. Women can smell money. Do you know what I mean? Women can smell breeding. As well, I've noticed that they're very good at it. I've got this mate, right? I've got this mate. Uh, I won't name his. I won't name. <laughs> He's called Tom, right? And he comes from good, good stock, like really fucking good stock. And he's a good-looking boy. But you should see what happens with. Him. I don't know if he's letting off this money pheromone or something. But you just see women like, what the fuck is that? Like they literally for the rest of the evening they don't even notice other men in the room. It's fucking incredible. Um, right, a couple of big things coming up. The Patreon video. I will be releasing this podcast, as things stand, uh, probably tomorrow morning, which will be Friday morning. The Patreon video, I am working on for the rest of today, and it will be out and available to patrons. I'll do, do a very short cut of it for Twitter and YouTube. It's not going to be wildly long. It's going to be about four or five minutes long, because it turns out these things take time to put together. But this is the thing. It's for you. The, you're the only people on Patreon... Patreon is the only place that you're going to get the full thing. Now, when you look at what a rough <laughs> first stab this is, you might go, well, that's, yeah, yeah I, I probably prefer the shortcut, Jeff. But here's the thing. It was a first stab done on a very low-tech basis because I'm just trying to work out what this is and how to do it, you know? And who knows? You might be at the start of something that ends up on the new Fox fucking news channel or something like that. But, um, but I'm going to put it up, and I would love to have, a, a, you know, constructive feedback uh, where possible. It's going to be a bit different from the podcast. I don't think I could do just, it would be no point in, in doing it the same. Uh, and I'm going to try for the time being to get one of those out a month at least. I might be able to speed it up and get more out. And obviously, you know, just see, you might all go, yeah, nice try, Jeff, but it was shit. Just do, <laughs> just, just, just do longer podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you had a go, son. You had a go. You know, we appreciate it. But, uh, but yeah, that's just another benefit because the Patreon thing, I like being able to say that to that big podcast platform this week, it just reminded me of how much I like having the control. And I hope that, that that's something that you appreciate as well. Live tour dates. Now, with what the government said, initially the comedy industry, very unlike comedy, to throw their hands in the air and go, oh my God, comedy's dead. The Tories are bastards. They hate us. And then when we looked into the devil in the detail, it turns out comedy is not actually dead because those kind of size groups is pretty much what, <laughs> what kind of live comedy indoors have been booking on the basis of. So on that note, I can announce that tour dates with fair certainty, are going ahead, right? I have got, on the 27th of this month, uh, in Canterbury, um, I'm, I'm doing a tour show in Canterbury. Um, there are a few tickets left, I think. Um, then on the 30th of September, I'm doing like a, a double bill with uh, other right-wing comic, Leo Curse in Southampton. Look that one up on Eventbrite, but that's not part of the tour. Um, then I am, in October, I'm doing a tour date in Worthing, the 15th of October. Now, on the 17th and 18th, I've got potential dates in Newcastle and Birmingham, which I'll confirm soon. But there are a few tickets available for Worthing. Then, in November, Maidenhead on the 5th and the 28th. Those are both sold out. Um, but if you've got tickets, then get in touch with the venue and they'll inform you how that's all going to work. The dates on the 6th of November in London, two shows there. Uh, the meeting is being had this week. Very hopeful with the news that those are going to go ahead. Um, the 28th. No, they're fucking... Oh, he's lost it again. The 21st of November. Shrewsbury. 
uh, is going ahead. There are tickets left for that. So it feels great to say this, but get on Live Nation. Type in Jeff Norcott, look at the dates. As I say, there might be new dates getting added. Apologies to the people that we couldn't make happen this year. We tried to go for every tour date this year because it's always important to support the venues. Unfortunately, not all venues were able to open because so many other shows had moved and stuff. But, you know, I'm basically bigging up myself here is that I am, I'm basically saving the arts. <laughs> Hear that, lefties? Yeah, the right-wing comedian. He hung in there and he's saving the fucking arts. Okay, we're going to talk now a bit about sort of race relations. This is stuff coming from the States and it follows on quite neatly from what we were talking about with Andrew Doyle last week. Uh, it was two clips, basically, this is centred around. You might have seen this one on Twitter. The first of which uh, is, in the com- is from a company in the US where somebody is giving a talk uh, on race awareness. Okay, so I'm just going to play the clip. Hopefully, I've got a new setup here with this sound but Hopefully, you'll be able to hear it okay. It's worth... It's reasonably long, but I think it's worth hearing all of this before we talk about it. All white people are racist. So <laughs> I put this up because I really want any white person in the room to know up front that this is what we're dealing with, that it's not going to be this coddling of white tears and what that looks like. We're not going to discuss, oh, maybe some of us have worked it out. No, you're always going to be racist, actually. So even when you're on your path to trying to figure out how to be a better human being, um, because I believe that white people are born into not being human. Okay, I think we can stop it there. I mean, like, I was planning to play uh, a bit more of that clip, but I think we get the gist. So this one was coming to a workplace. It looks a bit like a sort of something from the office, really. So she's standing in the front of the room, and, and she's just lecturing these people, and she's telling them that they're racist, and people are born into racism, and uh, um, later on in the clip, she also adds in that they're white demons, which I actually found quite funny. So how has it got to this, right? And the, the people, if you see the clip, right, uh, if you go on Andrew Dawes' Twitter, you, he's got it up, uh, it sort of pans round to what the white people in the room are doing. They're just taking notes. And like most white people now, they're just like, uh, I'm going to do the old Eddie Murphy white man voice from the 80s. I'm just going to shut the fuck up now and listen, because, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to cause any trouble. Um, they are, and there's one black woman there that looks like she's in the audience going, she thinks it's bullshit as well. And you hear the woman giving the talk herself and uh, she does a couple of like little laughs, which I think are quite instructive because she's sort of thinking, how am I getting paid to do this? In a weird way, I don't, I'm not really angry with the woman herself because this is obviously what, what she thinks. Uh, and one thing I am, when you watch the clip that does annoy me, is that she's wearing this skin-tight leotard and, well, it's all, it's all going on. Physically, I mean, look, oh, this is a very conservative attitude. I just think whatever you're talking about, let's have a bit of, uh, you know, let's have a bit of correct dress in the workplace. And I know that attitude is probably problematic in and of itself, but you're in an office for God's sake, all right? Um, and she, but the thing is, she's not the problem, is she? She thinks this. The problem are is the bosses that have sort of brought this into their workplace. The paranoid, you know, middle management and above, probably above. The guys that are probably out on the golf course while this is happening going, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we had to do our BLM thing and uh, it's happening today back at the office, you know, just we just don't want any heat for the... You know, they're not sitting in there, are they? They have essentially invited something pretty toxic into their workplace and, and, and those poor employees have got to sit there and just go away, having been told off by another adult. 
most people think. I mean, the way that the woman's saying, like, the way that she's laughing at the things she's saying, it did make me think it was like a bit like Impractical Jokers. Have you seen that show where, you know, like one guy goes into a thing and they have an earpiece and they, they instruct them on sort of increasingly outrageous things to do and say. But the heart of what she's saying is that you as a racial community are given to one way of acting and thinking. And that to me is, and I know, you know, apparently black people can't be racist to white people. That to me is always what racism was. It was the presumption of uh, inalienable negative characteristics, right? Because the problem is that is a slippery slope, isn't it? When you look at the hard right, fascist, racist, that's what they, they want to hear. Because then they can go, well, if they can say that, we can say this. And they can start with their hateful narratives about people of other races, right? If you can say that white people are demons and they're born a bit evil, you can then say things about black people, Asian people, Southeast Asians, and anybody you like, and women. and men. You know, it's either all okay or none of it's okay. And, I, you know, I do think that there is something to be said for looking into the possibility that you might contain un unconscious bias, right? I think that there's there's an argument for that, certainly certain generations, to sort of question themselves about their instinctive reactions to black and Asian people. I don't think your starting point can be, you are fucking born this way. Because <laughs> then the other point is, is that, well, if I'm born this way, well, what's the point in changing? You know, if it's unconscious, I can't control it. I just think. I just think it's 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 the opposite of uh, of what the left used to believe. It's and I, look, I, I say the left here. I don't I don't think hardly anyone on the. I don't think there's there's a lot of people on the left that are horrified of this behaviour. But it is it is of the left spectrum. If you get my drift, and I don't think this leads anywhere good. Right, and on that note, uh, I saw another tweet this week, and again. Don't live your life by Twitter because it's you know you can always find an example of an arsehole somewhere, but sometimes you come across things that you think well, the fact that that could happen at all, it is is concerning in itself. So there is a um, there is a university in the states where they have got a uh, uh, non-whites and a whites cafe. Yeah, so they've got this is. Um, They've got the Black, Indigenous and People of Colour Cafe as a space for students from marginalised racial, ethnic, cultural communities to gather and to relate to one another and to discuss their experience as students on campus and as people of colour in the world. Because that's, that's always what people want to do, right? That's always what people want to do. <laughs> you know, if you're black, you just want to sit with other black people and talk about being black, right? Go, oh, fucking another day being black, right? Oh, you tell me about it. Ah, oh, just put it on the heap, right? And then, and then even better, is the non-person of colour calf, right? This is probably them thinking, I would guess, that they came up with the first idea and then they've gone, oh God, the, uh, the far right are going to give a stick. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's have a non-person of colour calf, which I think would mean white, right? But no, they, for some reason they can't call it that now. Uh, it's a space for students that do not identify as persons of colour. Oh no, it's, it's more tenuous than that even. They don't identify as persons of colour to gather and discuss their experience as students on campus and as non-POC in the world. Um, so this is... Now, for clarity, one thing that the right do is we often leave out details. These aren't cafes that are always going to be there. These were things happening on specific days, right? But when you talk about people meeting in separate groups on campus, segregated groups, right? Not legally segregated. You have to look at the 
the historical ramifications of that. I mean, it is, you know, we're not that far down the line. It must be so weird to have been a civil rights campaigner in the 60s, still alive now, and seeing some of the things that are happening. Just thinking, man, I got battered by the old bill for the exact opposite of what you're trying to do now. I got, I got roughed up by locals and coppers to drink at the same fucking drinking fountain. And now you're, you're kind of arguing for different fountains. And I just think, please, look, if there's anybody who listens to this that is particularly woke, that's got a way of explaining like the big thing that I'm missing here, then email into whatmostpeopleThinkUK at gmail.com because this seems so fucking dumb to me that I feel like I must be missing something. I think what most people think, that this is this is the opposite. This runs contrary to, to the project of progressiveness and the left. Oh, got a bit serious, didn't I, eh? Eh? I was, uh, my, I was to have my little MLK moment. I have a dream that one day I'll be able to sit with my black friend and have a milkshake. <laughs> That's my dream, by the way. I mean, I think Martin Luther King probably was already allowed to do that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do a bit of men's mental health now. Um, I like to do these once in a while, but only as they occur to me, not like as a standard thing, because uh, they come around. You know, like most, <laughs> like in a way, this is sort of symptomatic of the problem with men's mental health, is I'm, I'm not thinking about it a lot of the time. <laughs> and then it occurs to me, right? And sometimes it takes a little spur, like the other week it was my old man, uh, his anniversary coming up. And then this week it was my kid going back to school. And uh, it was interesting, like I've always said earlier in the podcast, you know, me and, my, me and my wife, we were we were expecting something, but he was fine with it. And that was great. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it made me it made me fucking beam from the inside when I just saw him. Because you don't know with your kid at home, you know, they got a bit about him and you just think, but they might just, they might just crumble. It might have been that he was good in the nets. There's your cricket analogy. That he was good in the nets, you know, get him out in the middle. What happens? But I just saw him with the other kids and he looked happy to be there. And he looked himself, and I, was, I can't tell you like how happy that made me. But equally, I can't tell you how much it shocked me coming back to an empty house. Because obviously I'm doing a lot of writing and broadcasting in the house at the moment. So I come back, and there's just no one there, right? That sound, if, you, if you're a dad and you've had, and, and yeah, obviously, you know, mums as well. But come on, this is for men. Can we not just, can we not just have a little bit of time? Please, ladies, for God's sake. Um, and yeah, that, that, that feeling, like, oh, right, that is now... Well, that's forever now. And I had, I, I had a little, little, I mean, you know, I didn't really have emotions. Um, I'm probably, I'd imagine, I'm saying I'd imagine that there'd probably been a couple of men that might have shed the odd tear there. Not me, obviously. Um, but this is what I find interesting. And this is where I think I can speak to dads and people who aren't dads yet, is that becoming a father, like there's a lot of anxiety about it, right? You're just worrying about... Oh my God, all the responsibility I've got to provide, you know what I mean? I can't be myself, can't go out, can't get wasted, can't go and stay, you know, just like all this selfish stuff. Like, it's not wrong to be selfish in that way. But with me, all the things that I thought that I would like, the uh, that I wouldn't like are the things that I've missed the most, right? So like when he was in our room, in his cot, when we eventually moved him to his own room, I like really struggled with that. Do you know what I mean? Real tight. Uh, maybe it's too early, babe. Like I was the one going... Unfortunately, my wife, she does have to essentially be the bloke in the situation. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think we should bring him back in. Do you know what I mean? Just for safety. You know, she's like, he's four, Jeff. No, it was before he was four. But I, I'm, you know, I don't know if you watch Modern Family, but there's two, like, uh, obviously there's Cam and Mitchell, but, like, there's two opposite ends in terms of dads. There's, there's Jay, 
Uh, the older guy, the patriarch of the family, he's about 65, he likes whiskey and golf, and he sort of keeps his feelings un- on under lock and key a bit, and then there's Phil, who's very much a modern dad, gets emotional about everything, and I kind of, I did want to be a, a Jay, I kind of like the idea of the strong but silent, but I'm clearly a Phil, I'm clearly a fucking Phil. Like the first day, after we dropped him off at the school, I was going, I'm going to walk the dog, babe, and she's like, are you going to you gonna walk past the school to see if you can see him? I went, no, that's what you're going to do. Um... But yeah, there is a problem that I found where, you know, when you, that self-reproach, right? A little stage ends and then you're like, oh, oh God, you know, like you give yourself stick, you think, well, did I give him enough time or attention and stuff? And you sort of, there's this big problem and it happens in grief as well, which is giving yourself stick for, you know, the, like either the son, father or brother that you weren't rather than the one you were. Um, and I think oh, I was on my phone too much. And then I thought, with this generation, yeah, I was on my phone a fair bit, but you know, these days you can't smoke. Right? We can't drink during the day. You know, we can't just go down the pub or the bookies. I need something to kind of like take the edge out of, uh, you know, the tedium of existence. So, so yeah, I think it's time, you know, as modern parents, yeah, maybe we are on our phones a bit too much, but it's like there's a lot of stuff that we aren't doing. You know, maybe you're the person that's gone down the vaping route and has convinced yourself that blowing sort of fucking popcorn smoke all over your kid is fine. Okay, well, good, good luck with that. Um, they're just going to end up... They, the kids are going to end up hating something. I grew up hating the fact that my parents smoked. Now my son is going to grow up with an issue with people just staring blankly at their phone and going... <laughs> or or occasionally shouting things like, who's this fucking wanker giving me shit on Twitter? Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know if you've gone through that in the last week or if it, if it reminds you or if you're somebody who's thinking about having kids. You might surprise yourself, you know, in terms of becoming a dad. All this stuff when they're pregnant that you just have a little anxiety attacks about. I did it. I did it. I was like, oh, my God, fucking the water's closing in. I, feel like I can't breathe. Is it hot in here? Um, are actually the things that, that I miss. Don't get me wrong. I'm a week into it now and, and a little bit of peace and quiet, you know, is a good thing. And I really look forward to... Him coming back. Jeff, what is going on with the podcast this week? Is it going to go, we are the world. <laughs> we are the children. We are the ones that make brighter day. Look, I'm just saying that there are... I'm pleased to find that most of the things about fatherhood that I thought would scare me were the things that I like the best. Okay, we've got some letters now. Let's hope that the letters aren't really emotional because that would make it quite a week of it, wouldn't it? There's a, here was a letter from somebody called AR. And I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it's really well put and it kind of is a good illustration of the whole right-wing, left-wing comedy thing. The fact that the BBC frames non-white comedy as right-wing shows the purblind and simplistic view they have of comedy as a whole. I, in fairness to like Tim Davey, I'm not sure it's him that said that, but I do think within the establishment of comedy, certainly whoever it was who spoke to The Guardian said that. Uh, what most people think is that comedy should be funny first and foremost. One of the greatest comedians of the modern era must be the late Jeremy Hardy. I totally agree on that. Uh, politically, we are poles apart, but it doesn't matter. His time and delivery and, of course, content was sublime. The point the BBC misses is that the current comedic output is, by and large, woke. The opposite to woke is not right-wing, it's normal. Yeah, or like a common view right Andrew Doyle's not right wing nor Constantine you are as it as is Leo curse but you're all funny though and you're not woke the reason the toys came to power in 2019 is because they stood for law order control borders and a strong economy amen brother uh Jeremy Corbyn spoke about his pronouns <laughs> I mean this guy's just preach as they say on the left. Uh, the B makes the same mistake Labour made, which is playing to a small, unrepresentative, for very vocal audience 
which they mistake for a barometer of the country as a whole. Well, look, this is the thing, and this sounds like I'm sucking up to the bigwigs at the BBC, but this is, I would be honest on this podcast, this is the truth. The commissioners, the people at the top, the diversity panel, they all get this. What you're talking about here, they all understand it. It is not the people in charge, okay? It's as you come down the thing, once you get into production companies and producers, they care about making the kind of television they want to make, which is fair enough. But those motives don't necessarily sit with people at the senior level of a corporation that want to provide stuff for everybody. But trust me, there are people who get it and are working on that. Uh, It's not true to say that comedians punch up, so whoever's in power will be the subject to their jokes. When Tony Blair came to power, he was flanked by comedians such as Eddie Izzard and was immune from attack or lampooning for certainly his first term. Yeah, that's fair to say. Like, Blair, I mean, what happened was the left climbed in on Iraq, didn't they? You know, that was the cool thing. Well, let's be angry about Iraq. But they weren't actually going for the Labour Party. They were going for Blair, Campbell, and they are going for the concept of war. They never really looked at things that happened on Labour's watch, like the rise in ASBOs, the rise in antisocial behaviour, the rise in stealth taxes, the fact that council tax went up by 107% and it, and it affected poor people worse than it affected rich people. None of that was scrutinised. Um, the sound of laughter in studios is now unfamiliar as it has been replaced by applause, uh, which is shorthand for saying I agree with your values. TV comedians seem to be activists or have to deliver content that is framed in a certain way. Really interested to see if you agree. Well, AR, you've said so much here that I agree with. And I, I think that the industry, there are a lot of people in, within the industry that do get it. And, and, you know, but there are people that are, people are scared by change. But like I say, you know, Fox, this idea of a, another channel, a news channel with a comedy show, it might be good in a way because people, you know, there is a problem that the BBC are the only ones really that are sort of legally bound to try and present diversity. But if you then put a competitor into the market, that may, I think, that might speed things up. Certainly a competitor that's willing to pay a few quid um, as well. But, you know, you, you don't have to trust me, but the truth is, is that there are a lot of people at senior levels that do get it and change is on the way. That was my attempt at Barack Obama. Did it, did it work that way? No. Change is on the way. It's quite a long one for a solo podcast this week. Oh, don't mind a long one, Jeff. Come on. you got to laugh. I know that's childish. You, I'll tell you one thing about being British, right, is that you snigger at smutty humour. I think whenever I go to a petrol station, is when it says extra long, hoso- uh, <laughs> extra long nozzle or extra long hose. Come on. That, like, if you don't laugh at that, then you ain't British. That, is, that should be the citizenship test. Nothing to do with race, colour, creed. Do you laugh at? Do you laugh in Subway when they ask you if you want a six inch or a foot long? I always want the foot long. Um, hi Jeff, I've been enjoying your podcast. He spells it with a J. I wonder if this is a, um, a callback to the fact that a lot of people during the right wing left wing thing seem to think my name is Jeff Norwood, which um, <laughs> just made me sound like one of those eight entertainers. Hey, it's me, Jeff Norwood, on the comedians. I tell you something, my mother-in-law. All right, my mother-in-law is uh, she lost a lot of weight. Fair play to her. Um, that was uh, in homage to John uh, Thompson's brilliant character. I can't remember the one, but basically, check him out. He used to do a character, Bernard Wright on. <laughs> so he'd start off like he was going to do a hateful gag, and then he would end up with a woke one. Uh, I've been enjoying your podcast, despite the fact you're a pound shop Bill Burr, but I'll let that slide. I would look, I'm aspiring. I, if I end up as a pound shop Bill Burr, I feel, I'll feel like I've achieved something. I think there needs to be more fight content. So I was thinking of some potential matchups outside of the House of Commons. Who do you think would win in the following bouts? Kay Berlusconi, that's fucking great, versus Julia Hartley Brewer. Um, 
I just, I mean, it's got to be Julia, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think, I think Julia's got the height for one. I think she's got the range, you know, the punch power coming down from that height is big. I think Kay gives it the big one. Uh, but you know, she's like, yeah, I, I just, I, I get the impression with Julia as well. And I'm stereotyping here, you know, cause she comes from a good background. I think she might have played a bit of hockey and smacks, smacks some fucking shins in her. T- <laughs> if she's listening, you can correct me on this, Julia, but I, I say it with admiration. That's an easy one for me. I think Julia Hartley Brewer, no time at all. I think, I think Kay Berlusconi there is going to be a bit fixated on her hair. And I think that is a very, that's a first round knockout. And James O'Brien versus Mark Dolan. Um, right, so Mark Dolan this week had the thing where he cut up a face mask live on air. And, um, you know, that naturally received quite a lot of uh, uh, attention. <laughs> Um, and then uh, James O'Brien, who who sort of cuts up face mask with words in a way, you know, if he's if he's bored, he'll just say, "Oh, blue passports." And then, so in in both ways, they are both quite triggering people. Um, James O'Brien, I think there's a, a mistake to make. There is, I don't know enough about my people like James O'Brien. Chilled out progressive dudes are often the angriest. Okay, they are. I don't know why that is. I think you sort of middle class liberal beta male has a lot of rage. It's because politically things aren't going their way. Um, that's why, you know, sort of sidebar from this fight. I do sort of wonder, like, do they really not want Brexit to happen? Because at the moment, there is a fair bit of evidence to say, suggest that if it's no deal, it's going to be shit. Like, what do they want more? If Brexit doesn't happen, they never get to be proved right. So I wonder if you make them that offer, go, come on, man. If this happens, you get to be proved right about everything. So secretly, you need Brexit to happen. But as far as the fight goes... I think James Bryan, you know, he's lost a bit of weight. I think he's quite wiry there. I think he's going to work the inside. Uh, I think he's going to just wear Mark, Mark Dolan down there with some body shots. I think Mark like might pull out like a surprise gesture, a bit like WWE where he cuts up something or something like that. But I think that is uh, James O'Brien's seventh round stoppage. Seventh round stoppage. So Mark, that takes it a fair bit, a bit of the distance. Um, but in the end, that is a win for James O'Brien. So there's a, there's a win for the left and a win, win for the right there. Uh, and that was from Sam. Thanks and go fuck yourself. Thank you, Sam. Fuck yourself in a nice way. Okay, that's the end of the podcast this week. We've got, just before we do the reviews, we had a few new five pound, three pound patrons here. Michael Whitaker, Scotty, just Scotty. Um... Kate Range, that's a great name, Kate Range, and Five Spires Live, I'm presuming that that's not your name, Kate Range is a good one, that is, Kate Range sounds like a sort of intrepid reporter, I don't know, Uh, this is Kate Range reporting for CNN from the World Testicle Convention, this is what happens when I'm trying to look at one thing, trying to be funny whilst looking at something on my phone, the reason I'm looking at my phone is, uh, I'm just trying to find last week's uh, the reviews on iTunes because we had you know we had a few five stars. If you read five stars, I'll definitely read it out. Uh, if you mug me off, I might read it out, but only if I think that you're being a bit whiny. Uh, this is from Twenty Seven Velvet. Jeff is a good man. Fucking you're right, mate. That's why I'm able to be honest about my darker sides. Because deep down, I'm actually a lovely bloke. Uh, I love Jeff uh, since I saw him on the Mash Report. I keep missing him alive. I was at Silverstone uh, Formula One and went to the Entertainment Center only to find I just missed Jeff. Uh, well, I, can I level with you there? You didn't miss much. I was not on good form that day. 
Then he performed in York a couple of minutes from my house, but I had no idea until the next day. Look, people have said this to me about a podcast. I, don't, I didn't realise you had a podcast. I think there's one thing you could say about me on social media is I flog the shit out of everything. Um, so I started following him on Twitter, uh, heard about his podcast, and haven't looked back since. Um, look, it's quite a long review, but I just... Get to the end of it now. Keep up the good work. I hope you can get back to touring soon. Well, look, it looks like that's going to happen. And that I can get to a show. Mark, look, I'm going to be coming back to York next year on the tour, definitely. Uh, this one is from a collection of letters suggesting it's a Russian bot. Uh, I listened to Jeff podcast at work doing world's most boring job. Thank God for Bluetooth earpiece. Let's just say if I got caught, I would be fired. So as I slowly slide down the lubricated banisters of life, Jeff's, this is fucking Nabokov that's written this. Uh, Jeff's podcast is like one of the only point uh, splinters that's pointing downwards. What a beautiful metaphor that is. Um, a Steve from Maidstone. <laughs> so I'm reading it all in his Russian accent. Steve, Maidstone. Um, this one is from Milky. Wow, that is a... Mm, Milky. Why do they call you that? Uh, discovered this at the beginning of lockdown is now my company on the drive up to see my boys although it there although it there could be more hour-long episodes to cover the whole journey well at the moment we're kind of going two forty minutes then an hour with a guest and i think yeah i could do well this one's longer it was just for you milky lovely milky milky uh, another review dealing with identity politics the final frontier uh, i think i've read this one out before but look that is the end of the podcast for this week and look you know just just re- re- make your own mind up about whether what is the scope of the government to tell you what to do and also let's be honest if they're talking about 100 pound fines you might have to just how much do i like my family <laughs> you know you go we should we should be meeting up okay who's coming because uh the people you've mentioned there that doesn't sound like a hundred pound get together to me okay so i'm out if you'd have said that, you know, hilarious Uncle Brian's coming, bang, yeah, I will put in. Maybe just have a whip round. Maybe just have a whip round. Just go, all right, we'll just put 100 in. Let's see how far we can get with this. And then the other thing is, is if it's really annoying you, the social gathering, you could call the police on your own family. Bring it to a quick end. <laughs>